Welcome to Creative Resolutions in Action, a podcast that dives into the real world of Manitoba with a mixture of smart conversation, expert advice, behind-the-scenes stories, and straight talk from leaders in government, business, industry, academia, and civil society. Creative Resolutions in Action, Manitobans Building Strong Communities. Today we have the pleasure of talking with Paul Thomas. Paul Thomas is a scholar, a teacher, a researcher, and a mentor in the field of public administration. He has a long career, over 40 years. He has encouraged ethical standards for public service in Manitoba, and he's helped raise the bar high for public servants as well as elected officials. Paul is currently the Professor of Emeritus for the Faculty of Political Studies at the University of Manitoba. And it's my great pleasure to welcome you here today, Paul. Pleased to be here. And thank you so much for joining us. I was really excited to get a chance to talk with you because, as you know, over the last um, year or two, we've been working on a formal strategy for a regional land use and servicing plan. And when you look back at the records, you're really one of the pioneers, along with uh, Alan Scarth. You were the second report or the third report to be released on this very subject. And as one of the pioneers in this field, I just wondered um, if you wanted to say a few words about your thoughts on another report coming out. Well, if, if reports could create a regional plan and regional action, we'd be living in heaven now because we've got reports piled high. And one of the real problems always is you get these elaborate reports with multiple recommendations, and at the time there's some momentum created towards embarking on a regional plan, and then it fades. Implementation doesn't happen, so there's this intermediary stage between the uh, uh, acceptance of the report by the provincial government and local governments and so on, and then uh, the, uh, the action doesn't follow. So implementation is a key stage, and we tend to underestimate the difficulty of that. We have these good ideas on paper, but translating them into action takes a lot of hard work. The good ideas actually are not that hard to produce. There's lots of good ideas out there, but uh, making them work in practice is where we run into difficulty because there's so many actors involved at different levels, provincial, the city level, the local adjacent municipalities, uh, private sector actors, developers, for example, uh, indigenous people and their governments, uh, stakeholders of other kinds, environmental groups, for example. All these actors have to be brought together and uh, learn to understand one another, develop mutual trust among themselves, and then agree to work together and make it happen. And it's there's no a silver bullet here. There's nothing here that makes it easy. It's just hard grinding work. It takes commitment, it takes patience, and it takes perseverance. Well, absolutely. And let me tell you, I'm sure experiencing a lot of those things in this work that we've been doing for the last, well, the last 10 years here. But really, this group has been trying to move this concept forward since 1998. And as you said, it's it's not the ideas and it's not the reports. It's it's having the commitment to put these reports into action. And I'm, I'm interested because I know um, back in 2003, you wrote a report called The Partnership for the Future, putting the pieces together. And you put uh, recommendations, uh, over 60 recommendations forward. And I know that you've often, I think you feel the same way as I do about getting these things to move from planning to action. And you did something special back then um, with the report and I, I about how you felt was would be a good way to make sure these 
recommendations became actioned. Can you tell me a bit about that? This was a little different exercise than the report we just received, Dr. Murray's report, because this was commissioned by the provincial government, but it was intended to be an action-oriented report, and they put uh, people on the committee who are actual uh, practicing politicians, municipal officials, elected officials, as well as some retired public servants and a number of people from the community. So my job was to make this group work together. And so we had Lillian Thomas from the city of Winnipeg, Bob Stefanich uh, from uh, Richot, and, uh, and other individuals on the committee. So one of my tasks was as leader of the committee was to try and find a consensus. And that was hard work because people brought their own perspectives and some people had their favorite hobby horses they wanted to ride and so on. So I, we also, I also knew enough about the way governments handle these reports, having done a number of them over my li- professional lifetime, and knowing often they gather dust on shelves. Nowadays, I guess I'd say on the hard drives of computers. But nonetheless, <laughs> they, they just disappear. Uh, and so you've got to do something to force action by governments. And I tried it on two other occasions, putting a final recommendation in a report I wrote, which required that the minister who was receiving the report, boast and confess once a year on the anniversary of the report what had been done with it. And that worked most famously, in in my humble opinion, with a report I did on infant deaths in a pediatric cardiac surgery program at Health Sciences Center that was a tragedy, a tremendous tragedy. So there's greater onus on the minister, and the minister of the day agreed that he would on anniversary uh, of the receipt, receipt of that report, tell us what was happening with what was in progress, what had been adopted, and so on. That report, we ado- nearly all 51 of the recommendations were eventually put into practice. Wow. So I thought I would duplicate that in 2003 and give uh, the minister who had asked me to do the study uh, a, re- a final recommendation like that. Unfortunately, you can't control everything that happens, and the minister changed just before the report was table. And so he had an interim acting minister. She would have no part of the recommendation that she would get up regularly and tell us what would happen with the report. So it, it didn't have that champion which these reports need. And I always try and talk to ministers going into these studies to ask them, well, how committed are you to this? Right. Because if you're not prepared to champion this, there will be setbacks and this will just lose momentum. It won't happen. And so I'd like to know, if I'm writing a report, how serious you want to treat this. And I had that commitment. I had a bargain with the former minister, and now a new minister is there, and she wanted no part of that understanding I'd reached with the former minister. Uh, And so uh, the report sat there. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that nothing happened since 2003. Uh, this uh, institution I'm talking to today, this association, was born of that report. Absolutely. And uh, on a number of functional fronts, of functional collaboration, headway has been made. You know, they're doing some stuff on emergency services, doing some stuff on waste management, doing some stuff in a number of other policy fields. But we've got to speed it up. We've got to make greater headway. Other city regions are moving faster than us, and they're getting the advantage 
advantage of not only competition amongst the re- uh, members of a region, but also collaboration and power sharing. And that's got to happen. We're, we're, we're not so advantaged in terms of where we are and the possession of resources that we can afford to say, well, we'll get along, you know, we'll, we'll do all right. Sure. We, we need to, uh, to work harder. It's interesting because people, uh, that really brings a question up for me because sometimes people say, oh, you know, we're too small to do this and, you know, we don't need to do it. But I think when you talk about resources, maybe that's a call to action that never mind, we're small or, or however you describe us, this is all the more reason to work together. Yes, and you know, we live in a global world now where uh, economic activity, people, capital, uh, jobs move all over the globe. Uh, we can be shut out of that process. Uh, we'll be negatively impacted by it, but we won't get into the game unless we organize ourselves effectively. Uh, and local councillors uh, necessarily focus on local local matters. That's what they're elected to do. But they have to recognize they're working in a much larger, more complicated, dynamic, even turbulent context. And it, it reverberates from the global level right down to the local level. So if we want high-tech industries with good jobs to come here, we have to get in the game. We want well-paid jobs that will hire local graduates from universities and colleges. We want them to be well-paid. We want to deal with environmental sustainability and climate change. Those are things that you just can't do alone. The world is interconnected now. We're all joined up. And so uh, it happens at the regional level. And we're a bit unusual in this sense that the city region in Manitoba is the economic engine of the whole province. You know, the, the, uh, the greatest amount of population, over 70%, I think it is, in the Winnipeg metropolitan region. And two-thirds of the economy is probably within the region. So the region has to get its act together. It has to learn to collaborate. And, you know, we hear, you know, it's really important. Um, you know, you've, you, d- you talked about, you know, we've got the recommendations. We've got the information. We've got the ideas. We've got to hold ourselves account to progress. And I think we can do that by creating some really good uh, reviews on where we get with the with not only the, the Scarth report, the Thomas report, the Murray report, but really start to hold ourselves to account. But our economy depends on us doing this. Our economy depends on us moving these things forward. Right. And I notice after the report was received, the Murray report was received, the province has created a sort of advisory committee. Uh, and I little, I'm a little worried about that because often committees are places where good reports go to die. And uh, so that I think the Murray report was a valuable report. It's more technical in content than the report that I authored uh, more than a decade ago. But it, it deals with this hierarchy of planning instruments from uh, statutes like the Planning Act, Municipal Act, uh, provincial land use uh, planning policies, uh, ministerial statements, development plans, bylaws. This is a grotesquely complicated process, and we need to clarify it and streamline it so that the actors involved, all the different levels of government, can work with one another Absolutely. effectively and cope with this overlay of technicality because we're making choices about the future of communities, and so we can sometimes get lost in the rules, these small little rules that are written down and people have to comply with. And it delays things, so we're, it's appropriate to look at that. So this committee, I hope it keeps up the pressure. I hope it isn't an excuse, well, we'll study this a little more. 
you know, if study alone could bring us happiness, we'd be there by now. We'd be really happy. We'd be really happy, yes. But we've studied enough. Now it's time for action. But as you said, it's, uh, you know, the, our, our, but as you said, our prosperity depends on it. We need to get moving. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, you know, we usually think, well, it's companies that compete with one another, but governments compete with one another. They compete to attract investment. They compete to attract tourism dollars. They compete to attract green industries that will help to deal with environmental sustainability and so on. Uh, tourism is another area where regions compete heavily. And once again, Manitoba, in, on all those fronts, is not in such an advantageous position that you can say, well, we'll do okay because we've always done okay. We've, we've always had a sort of steady state economy in Manitoba, not big peaks and valleys that incur in more resource-dependent provinces. But nowadays, you, you've got industries of the future that you need to uh, attract, uh, have the region serve like a magnet for that. And what we have to do is figure out what are they looking for, what is our, our basket of options, and as a region we have way more together than we do separately. Yes, and at the time when I was writing back in 2003, we observed that the level of regional consciousness was not what it should be, and the level of mutual understanding was not what it should be, and the bonds of trust were weak. We'd had decades and decades of fights, but particularly between the city of Winnipeg and the adjacent municipalities uh, over sludge ponds. So I always remember the sludge ponds became a kind of metaphor. The city had located them outside its own boundaries. They were, they were smelly. They weren't pleasant to look at or anything. And that came up again and again. We had public hearings all across the region, right. and people had complaints about the city of Winnipeg and how arrogant it was at times in dealing with its country cousins. So that has to end. I mean, the city is a big is a big actor. In fact, its attitude is key. The attitude of the mayor is key. The mayor's got to be on side to say, we're prepared to be part of a partnership where we don't want to come in and dominate everything. Uh, and admittedly, its economic and political clout is greater than the, the smaller municipalities around Winnipeg. So if it wants to, it can push its uh, others out of the way and or deny cooperation. But hopefully the mayor sees that it's to Winnipeg's advantage. And likewise, the mayors of the, the surrounding municipalities also say, well, look at Sometimes we'll win, sometimes we'll lose. And part of the role of an association like this is trying to find win-win situations. And it's exceedingly difficult. Absolutely. I mean, it's a lovely phrase. And I wish every time in my life I won and somebody else won. But sometimes you'll have to say, in the interests of the region at large, I'm prepared to explain and defend to my local population why I agreed to this. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, service sharing, for example, there's should be far more happening by way of service sharing to save scarce taxpayers' dollars, avoid duplication, and provide better services. So you, you need the courage, political courage, to stand up and uh, explain and, and defend that. With that type of political courage, everybody wins. Yes, that's because right. Because if you can divert dollars that are being duplicated and spent um, in areas that are not necessary, or like that are necessary but we could share with our neighbors, 
We've got dollars available for all kinds of things uh, to attract industry, to attract business, to think about community facilities, education, recreation, all of these things. We can really start to investments in new infrastructure. Mm -hmm. These are the types of things we can do if we can free up dollars collectively and Mm -hmm. begin to move this region forward as a unit. Right. And, you know, we live in an era when the the public perception is we don't want higher taxes if we can avoid it. Uh, and so you've got to work more efficiently and more and find more economical ways to deliver services. That's not easy. But no. but if you look across the landscape of the region, there must be areas where uh, individual municipalities are producing the same set of services as adjacent municipalities. You know, fire services, for example. When we talk about fire services, we have more fire halls, more firefighters, and more equipment. Yeah. outside of the city than the city of Winnipeg does yeah. with 5% of the call volume. Yes. And you think about that and you think, you know, that doesn't necessarily make us better. Yeah, and uh, particularly the city of Winnipeg has always resisted the idea of uh, sharing its services, whether it's water or whether it's fire services, emergency services. They always say this will encourage uh, sprawl outside right, of Winnipeg, right. that the developments will go on in the adjacent municipalities. Uh, but the city can cost those services in, Absolutely. A, in a sophisticated way, so they're not out of pocket for it. They're, in fact, it may be that uh, extension of the services beyond the city's boundaries may be a way to pick up slack when, when services are not being fully utilized. So there's lots of opportunities for creativity and imagination here. And we've got to put our thinking caps on and then take actions. Maybe do pilot projects and get provincial assistance. Let Let's do a service sharing project. Let's create an industrial park, for example, and have the province subsidize it to get it off the ground. Everybody benefits. Everybody benefits. And the province doesn't have to be heavy-handed about this. You can sit across the table and talk to your municipal counterparts and say, you know, here's an idea we have, and let's sit down and work it out, and we'll try it. And if you subsidize it for a while, we'll see how it goes, because not all of these will fail, will be successful. uh, Some of them might come up short. They might not be all that you hope for. So don't overpromise. Say, this is realistic. We're going to try this. And if it doesn't work, we have a backup plan. I think it's really important that there is an opportunity for us to begin to build those trust pieces and the collaboration pieces as you said you know back in 2003 we were really weak in those areas and I think we've come a little ways but I don't think we've come to exactly where we need to be and pilot projects and finding ways to have some successes regionally would really move us forward in a meaningful way that will allow us to have the greater successes that your plan and other plans really hoped we would going into Mm -hmm. the future. I'd also like to just ask if you could give the mayors and Reeves who really are being called to leadership right now around this plan, if you could give them a piece of advice, what would you tell them? Well, I guess um, it's not going to happen overnight, um, partly because of what you said. Uh, Trust is an elusive phenomenon. 
it takes uh, long periods of time to develop strong bonds of trust. And they can be lost very, very quickly. They can be weakened or destroyed very, very quickly. So if the city decides that it wants to do something drastic, like refuse to allow a road to be come into within their boundaries or to uh, do something, extend its reach into an adjacent municipality in some ways, that will destroy whatever progress is being made. So uh, the mayor is a key figure in this. Uh, there has to be uh, within the group a sense urgency, but acceptance that um, that to make headway, we've got to go one step at a time. Let's do some things that will uh, demonstrate tangible progress that will people can point to and say, look, we did that and let's celebrate it. That's a small win for us, but it's a step forward. Let's go on to the next thing we do well. Uh, avoid any talk of an overarching regional body of any kind. That would be more part a, of a government. A government, another yeah. level of government, yeah. or as many would say, a regional bureaucracy of some kind. Uh, you can you can do coordination and collaboration without some official body. Uh, it can happen, but it won't happen spontaneously. There has to be leadership at the provincial level, at the city level, and in the adjacent municipalities. So to get everybody aligned um, at one time on one game plan is for, fortuitous. So small things may be the way to proceed initially, and hopefully you can see building incrementally to an overall regional framework that everybody says, hurrah. Uh, this will not be forever, but it it's, it's, well, at least provides us a way to approach individual issues as they come up and say, this is the way we're handling this in other parts as of the region. region. Start as to a region. So you're really recommending we have to start to find a way forward, a framework that will lead us to make regional decisions on a go-forward basis. Yes. Uh, Dr. Murray in his report talked about a culture of regionalism. And again, culture is one of those loose notions and culture is very hard to change in a planned deliberate way but one way in which uh, a, a strong shared culture on a regional basis develop is through shared experience and shared working together and shared successes together and even coming through uh, setbacks where you think you didn't achieve all that you wanted but nonetheless you've learned something from this one of the tendencies with change is often to think, well, we'll look at the success stories and learn all that we need to know. We often learn a lot more by examining when we failed. Uh -huh. I've certainly learned that in my personal <laughs> life. So you, you, can, you can take lessons and say, what went wrong here? How do we get somebody get offside and say they didn't want to be part of this? Did we go too fast? Did we not uh, incorporate their interests sufficiently? Were we not listening enough? So let's not just say, well, here are a bunch of success stories and generalize from that. We, there must have been instances since 2003 where something was started with great hope and promise and it didn't materialize. It's, Absolutely. And so we should look back at that and not just say, well, we've we've done some great things. We, And I don't mean you celebrate the failures, but you do examine them and say, what can we learn? I think we have to be not afraid to fail. Yeah. Because if we're afraid to fail, we'll never start. And I think that's the problem with a lot of these things. We have to start, we have to know we're on a, a path forward, and there's going to be setbacks, there's going to be go-forwards, and we have to figure it out from there. Yes. Politicians don't like admitting to failure. Um, they tend to be somewhat risk-averse, uh, so that 
uh, it takes a bold, uh, courageous leader to say, well, uh, we're encouraging the Winnipeg metropolitan region to take risks and the possibility that there will be uh, less than uh, happy outcomes sometimes. So, yeah. uh, uh, but, and so somehow you then have to find some way to allow the politicians to have information and, sh- and messages they can share with their electorate to say, this is why it went wrong and here's what we're going to do to repeat a re- uh, reoccurrence of that, of that mistake that we made. And I think public is, is ready now, even though they have a rather disillusioned view of politicians and the political process, to have some honesty and candor and frankness to hear politicians admit more often, look at uh, this wasn't what we hope to accomplish. We're, we're disappointed in the results. And let me tell you what we'll do next time to avoid uh, similar shortcomings. We're feeling very fortunate right now to have the support of the provincial government as we move this plan forward. We've seen a lot of signals. We've seen amazing support that we haven't seen in many years moving this regional project forward. And we're really optimistic Mm -hmm. that we can see some successes. And as you say, we're not going to be successful at everything, but we're not going to be afraid to try. And so here at the Metro Region, we're going to start stepping out and we're going to be looking to folks like yourself to continue to provide us with input. And we're going to be reaching out to get your advice as we go along this uh, kind of uh, new and uh, emerging path. I think this current provincial government, the Conservative government of Premier Brian Pallister, has a different attitude towards the region and the process. Uh, The new Democratic government previously Um, was more uh, interested in top-down policy direction and control. Um, They really wanted to have planning on a very broad scale, and they thought there were uh, fundamental provincial interests at stake that they wanted to promote and protect and so on. This government, it's not completely hands-off, but it is saying that we won't become as involved. And if, if, particularly if the region can get its act together and demonstrate progress, they're prepared to grant latitude, uh, encouragement, and hopefully going beyond mere encouragement, money. Uh, because one of the issues with all the regional governments in the city of Winnipeg and the other, other municipalities is that revenue sources are limited, and so you need to have some money uh, in order to make some of these things happen. And it may be only short-term conditional grants to get things launched initially, but that the province should be have more than just praise for your activities. They yes. should actually put some money into it as well. Uh, without becoming so heavy-handed. So that advisory committee uh, will be important. And it's support not only at the political level, but at the bureaucratic level. The deputy minister and the staff in uh, in the department have to also accept that they might not be as big players as they were in the past. They're going to have to back off a little bit and allow the region to work its uh, its own issues out without having to have them looking over their shoulder and second-guessing them as much. Now, they're going to still have to uh, uphold the laws and the provincial land use policies and things like that, but it's a style that's that's, uh, less controlling and more supportive and encouraging. Absolutely. We're really excited to see where we're going to get with all of this. And as I said, we're going to keep you posted on all of it. And one thing we've been doing on this little uh, show called Creative Resolutions in Action is we've been asking all of our guests, if you could talk to one person, any person, alive or dead, about something, who would that person be and what would you ask them about? (laughs) Alive or dead? 
Uh, just because I've been reading his book, probably Barack Obama, I, I miss going to uh, the event that he was here at the uh, Bell MTS Center, uh, a little pricey, the ticket, so I didn't go. But uh, his view of politics, uh, that politicians should be interested in what works, not so much what they believe in. So I think the traditional left-right divisions in our political discourse have less relevance to the kinds of problems. So that's really, it fits into this regional governance theme because we're looking for functional collaboration where uh, they'll work on particular policies and programs and service activities uh, in a way where they don't get too uh, blinded by you know their own narrow concerns, but they, they ask what works, because that's what the public wants. The public isn't so much ideological like the politicians are. They say, I'm giving you this tax money. Please reassure me that I'm getting good value for my money. I don't care if you follow a left or a right philosophy of governing. Just tell me that it works. So Barack Obama, plus he's such an eloquent speaker, uh, and I could, and he see, he's got a sense of humor, and and he has he found some way to have fun running the presidency, even though he faced such tremendous challenges in the time he was there for the two terms. So. There's my answer. Oh, that's an excellent answer. And as I also have a great admiration for him and think that what he's done is absolutely amazing. And we have a lot to learn from a lot of these great leaders. Right. Thank you so much, Paul. I really appreciate you coming out and uh, speaking with us today. And uh, we really appreciate your words of wisdom. I'll be watching and I'll be writing. And thank you all for joining us today on Creative Resolutions in Action. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to check out episode 8, where we talk with Mike Moore, who was the former president of the Manitoba Home Builders Association and has a long history of using best practice to build strong communities in the Winnipeg metro region and beyond. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast, like and tell me what you think of these conversations in the reviews and who else you might like to hear from. Be sure to watch for episode 10 next time, where we talk with Lisa Prime. Lisa is the founder and principal of Prime Strategy. She has a wealth of experience in community planning and sustainability projects across Canada and North America. Creative Resolutions in Action, Manitobans Building Strong Communities.